Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello everyone, I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you back to today's episode of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the infringement of their legal rights. That's right, George. Last week, we provided an overview of the origin and structure of legal rights in America and how they apply to parents in the public school system. This week, we're going to dig a little deeper on this subject. Yep, and we're going to really dive in with kind of an application to the triple threat that we keep on talking about. Comprehensive sexuality education, critical race theory, historical revisionism, and I suspect, Mark, that this offends the rights of both parents and children. Uh, As we are going to find out. And George, before we get too far into this, again, we have to give uh, our disclaimer that we're not providing legal advice to any specific person. So if you have a legal case, uh, consult your own attorney, please. But you're right. There's no question that both students and parents have right with respect to the public school system. So we're, we should probably talk about parents yes. first because they are parents after all, right? And they enjoy rights afforded to them in the Bill of Rights, which we discussed last week. These are the, the rights given to us by our founders in the Constitution. And the founders understood that those rights originally came from our creator himself. They're unalienable rights, and the purpose of government is to protect those rights. That, that's their job. And we also mentioned um, a a few cases last week, and I want to just revisit those and talk about some additional ones. This goes back to 1923, famous Meyer versus Nebraska case. And the issue was, uh, can a school forbid parents teaching their kids German language? We had all kinds of immigrants to America uh, and and still do. And, of course, they want to be able to teach their kids their their native languages, which is fine. And the court held that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment protects the right to marry, establish a home, and bring up children, including the right to control their education. Like if you want to teach your child German or Romanian, George, you you can certainly do that. German is outside my wheelhouse. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But this this was a key case. And then uh, just a couple of years later, another famous case, Pierce versus Society of Sisters, um, struck down an Oregon statute requiring children to only attend public schools. Can you imagine that? That's what the state was trying to do. 
Um, but the, the Supreme Court said that this Oregon statute interfered with the right of parents to select private or parochial schools uh, for, that, for their children. Oh, I and, never knew about this case. Uh, wow. Now, now we do. Uh, more recently, so that was 1925. Uh, let's come up all the way to 1972. And this also is a famous case, Supreme Court, Wisconsin v. Yoder where the court held that Wisconsin's compulsory education law violated an Amish Amish father's right to take his 15-year-old children out of school to complete their education in Amish ways at home. So explain that, like like halfway through the school or like what, how? Yeah, he was 15 years old, so the child wanted to take the the child out of the public school system and basically homeschool them for the rest or, of the high school exactly okay. and so this, this sort of launched the the whole homeschool movement and it took hold across the country now we have over three million homeschoolers across the country and and counting and it all goes back to wisconsin v yoder and then the supreme court uh, upheld the right of parents to do that and then there, another case that that doesn't bear directly on uh, schools, but it does bear on parents' rights, and that's Troxel versus Granville, and that that was uh, in the year two thousand, where the court declared unconstitutional a Washington statute that authorized judges to order parents to permit more visitation between children and their grandparents than the parents decided. <laughs> so the grandparents were saying, yeah, "I'm demanding visitation rights," and the, the parents don't want to give me more time, and they, they took it to court. Oh my! So, but so this is a strong parents' rights case that that is still good law. So those are good cases, George. But as we talked about last week, um, there are some offending cases as well, cases that we think judges decided wrongly. And the most prominent example of that, of course, is Fields versus Palmdale School District. I know you're very well aware of, but for our viewers, this had to do with a mental health counselor um, here in California in the Palmdale School District that was giving very explicit, sexually explicit surveys to students in the public school system, and parents objected. Say what? It's a say what moment. And the court sided with the school district and said, too bad. Uh, your rights to bring up your, your children and to control their education don't go beyond the threshold of the school door. So this just points to the fact that we have a contest of wills between uh, judges and justices. And until it gets to the Supreme Court and they finally decide, very often these these cases are in controversy. So They're to, in flux. So Mark, real quick, because this thing just hit me right now. I'm starting to understand the legal system more and more. Um, because this was ruled by the Ninth Circuit Court, doesn't mean it applies to the entire country. It only applies to the states within the circuit. Yes, in, in principle, that that is true. So the Ninth Circuit, I think, is the biggest circuit in the yeah. United States. There are 13 circuits in the United States of America. But what happens, George, is that particularly when it's the Ninth Circuit, and this was an appellate decision, mm-hmm. It's used as precedent for other cases. In fact, even the Ninth Circuit did not decide this 
alone. They actually cited uh, the reason for their decision from a case that came out of Massachusetts. I think it was the hot, sexy case, Brown versus hot, sexy case. And they came to a, a similar conclusion. And this often happens in our system. So one case turns into a precedent for another district. And pretty soon, it's across the entire country. Yeah. And it's the law until the Supreme Court we says otherwise. To figure out a way to reverse this one. <laughs> yes, we do. Well, those are examples of constitutional cases, but we also, parents have statutory rights, both state and federal rights. And a great example of this, right here in California, is the right to opt your kids out of certain kinds of instruction that parents object to. So as you know, George, um, uh, AB 329 was passed in 2015. And it requires that both middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, take comprehensive sexuality education. Uh, Parents, however, if they fill out an opt-out form, have the legal right to take their kids out of that instruction. And that is right in our education code. Correct. And the parents... Uh, especially if you cannot pull your kids out of the public school system, we highly encourage you to exercise your opt-out rights um, for whatever subjects you can that's allowed either in your state or in your district. Indeed we do, and that right extends to students not having to take um, surveys that are very personal in nature. Not only is this a right um, documented in our state education code, it's also a federal right. So this is 20 U.S. Code uh, Section 120, uh, excuse me, 1232H, and It says that basically students don't have to take surveys that delve into their political, religious, family, or sexual predilections. Mm -hmm. Don't have to take it. So at POK, um, we have forms uh, that uh, parents can use, and they can fill out this form, send it in their school district to make sure their children are protected from these kinds of surveys. Yeah, and Mark, I think ours are very California-centric, right? Yeah, yeah um, that's true. So just to throw out there for our listeners, uh, you know, Pacific Justice Institute has a really nice um, website where they have forms for all 50 states. They do. And you can just go and click your state, and it'll automatically send you to the right location. So uh, if you're outside of California, please go to Pacific Justice Institute website, and they'll help you. Thank you for bringing that up, George. And and finally... Obviously, parents can uh, press their the, the constitutional rights that children have in the school system. And so if you think your child's rights are being violated, they're a minor, it's pretty hard for them to press their own rights. Mm-hmm. You as a parent can do that on their behalf. So let's talk about student, student rights. Just because you're a child in the public school system doesn't mean you, you don't have you don't have rights yourselves. The court has said that children have uh, constitutional rights in the school system, including freedom of speech, which includes symbolic speech, freedom of assembly, and the corollary rights of conscience. 
fact, I think we talked about this case last week. It's the black armband case. Yep. Uh, Tinker versus Des Moines Independent Community School District. This goes back to 1969. And it... The court said that students and teachers, so this applies to teachers as well, do not shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. So they have those rights. Um, Now, there are some restrictions on this. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you're a student, you can't do anything you want. can't say anything you want at any time you want. Um, So the manner of speech, like, for example, crude language, you can be disciplined for that. And courts have have, have rightfully um, said that. But the First Amendment also protects a student's rights to intellectual freedom. Intellectual freedom is the right to receive information from alternative perspectives that have not been censored. So this goes back to that Barnett case we also talked about last week. Schools cannot impose a form of orthodoxy on a student. They, they have the right to hear all points of view on a particular topic. You know, Mark, when I was a student in high school, I, I really enjoyed all of these freedoms because uh, I, I would constantly bring up and question things with my professors. Um, and, and I knew that, I mean, yeah, they could retaliate if they wanted to, but I think they obviously also understood students' rights as well. And so I, I, I felt like um, I had a lot of freedoms in what I could or could not do. Very important to exercise those rights. Uh, unfortunately, most kids, you know, they feel pretty uh, intimidated when they're in a school setting, and it's hard, particularly when you're in, under peer pressure and you have an authority figure that's sort of laying out the law of the land or a- advancing a certain pedagogy, a manner of teaching. It takes a bold student, George, to, to stand up and uh, to challenge those. And I'll just say this for our listeners, uh, Liberty Council, which is another uh, one of those um, law firms that you know supports and will will help at you know pro bono basically. Yeah. Um, if you're you as a parent or your child's rights are being violated in the public school system, they have a very helpful pamphlet online uh, that I've used as well with on how to educate my kids <laughs> that are in That's the public great. school system. So I encourage parents to to look at that as well. So. Th- So students have rights to freedom of speech and freedom of conscience. They also have the rights to freedom of religious expression to a degree in the public schools. And this includes the right not to accept an imposed religion or orthodoxy. So there was a decision called Cantwell versus Connecticut that goes back to 1940, where the court said the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment forestalls compulsion by law of the acceptance of any creed or the practice of any form of worship. Mm-hmm. Powerful words. So no state can either advance or inhibit the free exercise of religion. Why this is important, George, is because today we're seeing uh, right here in California through its emerging ethnic studies program, a form of paganism that's uh, 
being promoted to our, our students in the school system. In fact, Christopher Rufo, who writes for the City Journal, famously uncovered this. And uh, you and I have read yeah. the Ethnic Studies Framework ourselves, and indeed in the appendix, um, there are chants to Aztec gods that the framework is advising teachers to use as a resource in the classroom. Well, this is clearly unconstitutional under Cantwell and other cases. Well, and even under comprehensive sexuality education, the health framework defines spiritual abuse as anybody using religion to justify rigid gender roles. That's right. And what religion doesn't do that? <laughs> Say what? I can think of many. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'll just remind our listeners of the famous Barnett class where, you know, the court said that you cannot impose a particular orthodoxy on a, on a student. The student has, has that right not to have to accept a particular religion, a particular political view, um, any kind of view that's being pushed upon them by an authority figure. Mm-hmm. Important rights. Yep. Uh, students also have Fourth Amendment rights on the school campus. So, uh, you know, a school official can't arbitrarily say, I want to see what's in your backpack. Now, there are limitations to that. If they have reasonable suspicion, and there's this case called the New Jersey versus TLO, it goes back to 1985, where they had a non-smoking uh, policy on campus, and a student was caught smoking in the hallway, and they said, all right, I want to look in your backpack, and sure enough, they found uh, cigarettes. They found packets in there. So, you know, if you have reasonable suspicion with something of fouls going on, they, they can look in your stuff. But you do have a right to, um, to, to the Fourth Amendment. And then students also have statutory rights. And these mainly come in the form, George, of our civil rights laws that goes back to the 1960s, our famous 1964 civil rights laws. And these include uh, Title VI and Title IX, mainly against discrimination on the basis of race, sex, color, or national origin. And these rights apply to children. So unfortunately, um, this term sex has been redefined to now include the concepts of transgender or gender identity. In fact, George, this was the basis of AB 1266, was was the famous bathroom bill. This was challenged in court. And they said, nope, sex means these things, therefore, you know, we, we, we we can have this law. That's so frustrating for me because it's so obvious what sex has always meant, especially back in the 1960s and for you know courts today or legislator legislatures today to redefine that arbitrarily is just crazy it is crazy indeed um but just to continue on with the students rights they have uh, statutory rights under the california constitution article one to the right to privacy The right to privacy encompasses the right to non-disclosure, as well as in the collection and dissemination of personal information, such as medical records and gender identity. Students don't have to give this information out. There's also what they call the FERPA, the Family Rights and Privacy Act, that protects the confidentiality of students' educational record. You would expect this. This kind of makes sense. 
And then last week, we briefly talked about the opt-out rights, which we want to remind our listeners again. Students have the right not to participate in any instruction that relates to the California Healthy Youth Act, our radical sex ed law here in California, or to participate in surveys regarding their attitudes, gender identity, sexual orientation, family background, politics, or religion. That's both statutory and federal code. So I want to give George, if we can, we have a little bit of time left, an example of how these rights are actually applied in a court case. Yeah, Mark, please unpack this for us. And I hope that our listeners are going to take this example and be just as bold if they have a similar situation, because I almost feel like we need to really push back as parents in the way we can do that is through lawsuits. And this is a real success story. The case comes out of Nevada. It was filed last year, and it's Gabriel Clark versus the Nevada State Public Charter School. Um, William Clark, the student in the school system, um, was a senior in high school, and he came from a mixed-race family. So apparently his uh, his father is deceased, but he was uh, of light-skinned. He was white. And uh, his mother, who is the, the, the parent now, is, uh, is black. And, um, uh, but apparently William was lighter in skin. And people in the school district just assumed that, that he was white. And I guess most of the students in the, in the school were, uh, were dark-skinned. And so he was uh, sort of discriminated against by, vir- by virtue of his skin color. But that was really not the issue in the, in the case. The real issue was a class that was being imposed upon children called Sociology of Change. This was the name of the class. Georgia was a critical race theory class. Where the uh, one of the defendants, the school official Catherine Bass, would greet her students in the morning, saying, "Hello, my wonderful social justice warriors." Wow! Right. So, and she presented slides, and one of the slides said, uh, "Reverse racism does not exist." Another slide defined racism as equaling prejudice plus power. Therefore, people of color cannot be racist. Say what? Say what moment. Um, They also said, we also want democracy prep scholars to feel empowered to use their voice to stand up for what is right. This is what they were teaching students. Quote, even if that means pushing back against a school policy occupying a cafeteria or staging a walkout. Wow. Is right? a member of Antifa or what? <laughs> so, so poor William, he's been having to listen to all this and go through all this. But finally, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was a survey that he was given where he had to deconstruct his identity to find out if he was an oppressor or an oppressed. And of course, being lighter skinned, they just assumed he was the uh, of the oppressor class. And he objected to this, whereupon the school authorities said he needed to unlearn his Judeo-Christian principles that his mother had imparted to him. Can you believe wow. that? They threatened not only to give him a failing grade in the class, they threatened to keep him from graduating from high school unless he bowed 
bowed under these uh, these rules. This is the kind of stuff that would only happen in communist Romania, where we grew up. I mean, the, this is crazy. It's crazy, but fortunately, um, uh, William's mother, Gabriel, had the temerity to sue in federal district court, where she did. And she sued on these grounds, violation of uh, both her and her son's First Amendment rights to the U.S. Constitution, including freedom of speech, compelled speech and retaliation, freedom of association, viewpoint discrimination, violation of the Establishment Clause. She claimed they violated her 14th Amendment, substantive due process, family integrity and retaliation. She claimed that they violated... uh, Uh, the civil rights law of Title VII uh, by intentionally and uh, retaliatory discriminating on the basis of Williams' color, race, and religion. And Title IX of the education uh, uh, amendments of 1972. And they also threw in breach of contract. Well, in the few moments we have here, the good news, George, is is that after discovery and losing a a preliminary injunction, they gave up. The school district said, we're done. Uh, William can get a good grade in his class, and he will graduate in high school. The lesson is, parents, pursue your rights. Yes, we have to do that. And maybe some other time we'll talk little bit more about this but until next week uh please continue speaking up parents for your children you've been listening to say what the radio ministry of protect our kids where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in american public education and the forces working against our children join us at this same time every saturday as attorney mark schneider and pastor george roska jr unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children for more information about this program or protect our kids email the show at info at protect our kids that's info at protect our kids and join mark and george right here next week at this same time for another episode of say what